Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Wednesday edition of the Sports Cage. Brennan McGuire and Ryan McNally for Connexus Art Center. High Valley with Tim and the Glory Boys, February 20th at the Connexus Art Center. Tickets available at ConnexusArtCenter.ca. Still ahead here in hour two, we'll hear from Skylar Ackerman, who will be the skip for Team Saskatchewan at the Scotty Tournament of Hearts. That's starts on Friday, and uh, in Hour 3, we will touch base with Luke Mullinder and a few other news and notes around CFL Free Agency as well. But right now, we go out to the Western Pizza Hotline, where we are joined fresh off his trip to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, Farhan Lalji. Farhan, thank goodness you went to the Super Bowl and not the parade. Did you see the story? Yeah, I have. I've just been watching the coverage. Um, Insane, you know, it's a spot that I was at last year. You know, I covered the draft. Uh, in the spring, and generally we stay outside of Union Station. Like there's some hotels kind of in that area, and uh, I, I was there. I, I see the pictures and see the the aerial coverage, and I, I standing, you know, right where a lot of that happened. So it's um, uh, just shocking to to see that that happened. You know, a parade ended, and they're wrapping up, and the players are leaving, and all of a sudden gunshots are fired, and one uh, person dead, uh, ten to fifteen others injured, five seriously injured, and. You know, community now in mourning, right? I mean, what was supposed to be a celebratory event for so many people uh, turned wrong for so many reasons, right? I mean, I could just imagine being a family member, knowing that your family member was going to a, a parade, like a celebratory event like this, and and that's what they had to witness or, or potentially be physically impacted by. You live in a great city of Vancouver, and um, I remember there was the 94 Stanley Cup riots, and then when the Olympics came, everything went so well, and even the public gathering to watch the gold medal game, and everybody thought, we're past this, and then the Stanley Cup riots happened. So I guess you just never know when something like that's going to jump up, and I don't want to compare people looting to someone actually losing their life like what happened in Kansas City. Well, that, but that's the whole point, right? I mean, this is this is going to again bring up the same BS argument they have in the United States all the time surrounding sensible gun laws. And what was the difference, right? I mean, think of the number of people that committed crime at the 94 and 2011 Stanley Cup riots. Think about that, right? But we didn't have death. Why didn't we have death? We didn't have death because we didn't have guns. So many handguns and floating around, you, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, like police officers obviously did, but, you know, th- there's a difference, right? Like, you just don't have accessible guns that people who, um, you know, struggle can can have or people who are just, like, you don't know what reason is in somebody's head. So then, you know, you get into these arguments and people that want to, uh, that, that are supportive of everybody having guns, they like, well, it's a mental health issue. Well, it's not, right? Like, you, you want to take guns away from people that might have mental health issues. This is a gun issue. And, you know... Yeah, so just to, the fact that this is a country that doesn't have sensible gun laws, we're not trying to take guns away, just have sensible gun laws, like they don't have them, and, you know, it's a, it's a critical election issue, right? It's it's insane, and, and we go through this all the time, and, you know, and people lose their lives, and we continue to go through it, and people say thoughts and prayers, and, and nothing comes of it, right? And that's just kind of the frustrating part of just seeing it happen again and again and again, and everybody thinks about it. No one does anything about it. 
Kind of, it's sad that something like that has to make us appreciate where we live in Canada uh, when we see some of those issues south of the border. Um, on to a different issue that's not quite so dire, not really a cheery issue either. Um, I know you broke the news about Jamal Morrow uh, not passing his physical. He will not be signing with the Calgary Stampeders. That's got to throw into a wrench into uh, Dave Dickinson's free agent plans, his roster plans, doesn't it? Yeah, to a point. I'll be honest. I was surprised when the news broke that they had agreed to a deal with Jamal Morrow. And I say that because the organization had gone through a process of basically picking between three backs and keeping two of them. And Kadeem Carey was the odd man out. So I was surprised that uh, they would go out of their way to get Jamal Morrow, which is not to say anything negative about the player. I think Morrow's a really good player and he's a very complete back, but it just didn't make sense that they had gotten rid of... um, Kadeem Carey to clear the decks for Diedrich Mills and Peyton Logan. Now, my understanding is that Mills was going to be the bell cow. That was the deal. Um, and that uh, Morrow would be coming in to compete with Peyton Logan. And they had very similar contracts. And it was just going to be a, you know, a, a depth back, but a roster spot that could also be a returner and you know a guy they could potentially take advantage of in a few different ways. So I don't think he was necessarily being brought in to compete with Mills, who's going to be their feature guy going into training camp. But um, so I, I don't think it's a huge dent in their plans. I mean, usually if you're going to bring in, you know, two backs like that, like one of those guys would be a, uh, would be a younger player or a rookie, right? So uh, I'm sure they'll go about that process and try to find a guy that way. But uh, either way, Moore's a good player. And, and if he's not past that physical, I don't know who's he's going to pass. So, it, you know, it obviously puts a temporary halt on his career. Could you see a scenario by which um, maybe he is not at the ability that the Stampeders expected him to have at the salary that they had expected him to uh, to be able to perform, but still good enough to play? Like another team could sign him maybe just for a lower dollar value, maybe more incentive laden. And could you envision a scenario where this opens the door, reopens the door just a crack for him to wind up back in Saskatchewan? Um, I don't think dollars had anything to do with it, right? I mean, like I said, he, he was being given a contract that was commensurate with kind of a part-time returner player. Uh, it was not a big number at all, like not a big number. That would not have been the reason why um, Calgary didn't make it work out, right? So, you know, for me, what will have to happen is they'll have to go through a process where he continues to rehab or address the area of concern and that maybe in... April or May, uh, at that point, he's in a position to pass a physical and then every team might be interested in him. It could be Saskatchewan again. It could be Calgary. Uh, you know, it could be anybody uh, because, again, the guy's a quality player, so as long as everyone's convinced he's healthy, uh, then I think he can move forward, but I think that's going to take some time. So, you know, when I say a temporary stop to his career, that doesn't mean I don't think he's going to play this year, but, um, you know, this wasn't a case of, well, we needed him to do more, therefore he needed to be extra healthy. It's not like that. I, I just think that he didn't pass a standard physical. Our guest on the Western Pizza Hotline is TSN's Farhan Lalji. Perfect pizza with a generous amount of toppings, plus Greek food like sablaki, ribs, salads, all the goodness you can't make at home. Call Western Pizza today. So we had AJ Olette in studio earlier in this program, and a lot of the locals are excited. Did you wrestle with him? What's that? Did you wrestle with him? No, I wouldn't dare. Are you kidding me? Oh. I wouldn't stand a chance. Well, I- but it's fake, right? He could have given you a chance just because okay. it's fake. Yeah, sure, I guess. That's why I never got into <laughs> it either. But is, is there, um, 
you know, and, and I'm going to be brutally honest. Last year, I was in this chair filling in for some vacationing hosts, and all the hubbub was about how the riders did so well in free agency and were probably the big winners. And, you know, if Trevor Harris doesn't get injured and doesn't get his leg all rolled up, maybe it still turns out that way, but it didn't. And so now here we are again in February, and I guess I'm just having a really tough time putting too much stock into the CFL free agency thing. Are you getting a sense that teams around the league feel like the Rough Riders won a sweepstakes here for AJ Olette? Um, I wouldn't say a sweepstakes, but I think that, uh, like for me, I was asked yesterday who my big winner is. Uh, and, and, you know, there were a few teams that made out quite well, but I think the Riders topped the list in my mind. Uh, I think they made big additions throughout their lineup, uh, you know, virtually in every position group, right? I mean, they got they added Jamarcus Hardrick, which makes them significantly better along the offensive line. They added A.J. Olette. That makes them better in the backfield, right? I mean, this guy is a physical, bruising runner that um, I think is as good as any other running back in, in the league, right? I mean, you know, you look at Brady Oliveira, who I'm a big fan of, uh, and Brady got paid $70,000 more, which is probably primarily due to passport, right? Because he can change the ratio. But in terms of actual ability, A.J. Olette's as good as any back in the league. So I think you improve there. That's going to make Trevor Harris that much better because you can bring a play-action element to the game. You can you can just attack so many more parts of the field because it lets also get out of the backfield. So, uh, you know, it's going to make those receivers better. And then you look at the defensive side of the ball, and they got Jameer Thurman, who is, you know, every bit as good as Larry Dean and probably faster and definitely younger. And uh, Malik Carney along the defensive line is a, is a solid player. Uh, Jalen Edwards-Cooper, who I've watched very closely here in B.C. for a long time, when Jalen Edwards-Cooper is healthy – and that's if, right, because he misses a lot of time. But when he's healthy, he's as good as, you know, like, he, he's a top five corner in the CFL, right? I, I truly believe that when he's healthy. Um, and, uh, you know, and Adam O'Claire's got some position flexibility and can, can help. Is he a full-time starter anymore? I don't know, but he's good enough to start. So he's going to help as well. So for them to get that much volume, quality volume, not just bodies, at every element of that roster – uh, I, I think it's a really good thing. So I, I don't know that I necessarily picked them to have won a sweepstakes last year, right? I mean, we all kind of felt they upgraded with Trevor Harris over Cody Fajardo. But but beyond that, you know, I, I don't know that there was the level of significance of addition that you're having now. So uh, I think Jeremy O'Day, in, in a real pressure year for him, has done a very, very good job. Uh, Farhan, looking at the depth chart so far, what do you think the Riders still need to add to, you know, maybe give them that final piece uh, to maybe make a playoff run here uh, in 2024? Well, you know, I think, you know, can they improve at receiver potentially? You know, I thought they might be in on one of the the higher-end receivers, and it didn't work out because they they did a good job of of spending money in other areas. Um, So, look, I I think Sean Bain is good, and I think when they're healthy, you know, Keen Schaefer-Baker is, you know, as good a Canadian receiver as there is in the league, and he's, he's as good as most receivers regardless of passport. Uh, you know, I think he's exceptional. Sam Amelos took a step last year. Can they get Braden Lennius healthy? You know, so I think they've got some good pieces there and some racial flexibility, but maybe one more um, at the receiver spot. But, uh, you, you, you know, you can't have everything. And I think they need to improve their back end in the secondary as well. Uh, but, you know, Cooper's a, a real good piece there, right? But um, potentially could they add somewhere else in the secondary? I think so. Um, but, again, I, like I look at the roster now and I don't necessarily see a glaring weakness, whereas – Maybe at this time a year ago, there were there were a few glaring weaknesses, right? 
that'll make the fan base feel reassured that it's somebody from outside the province who's actually saying, hey, this team looks legit at this point. And I know you mentioned uh, they could maybe use a receiver, and uh, Ryan was talking that Tim White is still out there, and who knows if he comes down on his price. Yeah, but they can't, you know, they, like, they can't afford Tim White at, at his number. And, you know, the thing is, is that every personnel department, and I say this every year, right? Every personnel department needs to find three things in any given year. You need to find a field side corner, right? Because that's the entry position in the league, right? You eventually come in as a field side corner like Edward Cooper did, and then eventually that guy gets really good and you move him to a halfback spot or a boundary spot once they get comfortable with the game. You need to find, you know, a fourth or fifth receiver. Like you should be able to find a receiver. And you need to find a rotational pass rusher. That should be something if your personnel department can't do that, then your personnel department is not very good, right? And you know, and I know that um, you know, with uh, with Paul Jones and others, they've got a good personnel department. So um, I think that um, those things are you've, you've got to develop and bring guys in at some point, and people have to have to accept some of those things, right? I mean, I, I know from a BC Lions standpoint, three years ago they brought in a ton of young guys, and they you know they kind of grew and eventually you know got better, and it's led to two pretty good regular seasons for them, even though it hasn't led to a great cup, but. Jalen Edwards Cooper was one of those players, right, that you kind of bring in, and then at some point, either in year one or year two, you throw that guy in, and, you know, and and we see what comes of them, and then eventually they kind of grow into bigger spots, right? So I think the fans want everybody to be experienced today, and I just don't think that's how the CFL should be working. We had uh, talked uh, before free agency and had even suggested maybe Jake Dolagala would be a good fit for the BC Lions. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think you suggested he was maybe third on the Lions wish list. Now, we know that they've got a more than competent starting QB with Vernon Adams Jr. But that said, in this league and, and history has shown, you need to have a backup. Uh, and with VA, because he does get injured from time to time. Do you feel like the Lions are satisfied with who they ended up with, even though he might not have been their number one choice to be the backup? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they, uh, he was probably 2B or 2A, right? I think their number one choice was Matthew Schills, um, who had was in a position to command a bit more because he's played more. And I think he wanted to go to Calgary because I think if you're backing up Vernon Adams or you're backing up Jake Mayer, there might be a better opportunity to push Mayer for playing time based on what happened with both quarterbacks a year ago. I'm not saying it'll turn out that way, but VA was clearly better than Jake last year. Um, so, But they had zero in their building to push Jake. Well, now they have somebody to push Jake. So it made more sense for, for Matthew Shields to go to Calgary. So I think in terms of Jake Dolagala and Tra- Taylor Cornelius, I don't think there was a big choice between the two. Um, they, you know, they, they went through a process where they had both guys spend time with Jordan McSimmick and try to get a sense of, uh, the offense and for him to get a sense of who might pick up on it a little bit better and things of that nature. Right. So, um, yeah, I, so they went through with both and I, and then I think it, it seemed like in the last day or two that there was a lead, uh, towards Dola Gala. Um, you know, I, I think maybe the one lure of Cornelius might've been that he, he moves better with his legs and could therefore do some of the same things Vernon Adams might be able to do. Whereas when you look at Jake, he's a completely different quarterback. Um, but uh, but that said, I think they did well to get him. I bet he did some good things in Saskatchewan last year. Quite frankly, I was surprised the organization picked Mason Fine over Dola Gala and, and let him be um, available, right? So I think if you're the Lions, um, I think you probably feel as good as you can currently about your backup situation. It, it's not Dane Evans, but uh, I, I think Dola Gala's played some, and uh, they should feel comfortable there.
I, you and a lot of li- people listening, and, and me, and I can't speak for Ryan, I think a lot of us were surprised that the Riders didn't re-sign Jake Dolegal and ended up with Mason Fine. But I have to say about Vernon Adams Jr., uh, if he hadn't solidified himself as a strong starting quarterback before last season, he did it last year, especially that effort here in Regina when he passed for over 400 yards. And it kind of makes me respect Chris Jones and his ability to evaluate quarterbacks because I remember he was in love with Vernon Adams Jr. and none of us could figure out why. And now we understand why. So that's why he's on the sideline coaching and, you know, I'm here on the radio talking with you. But Farhan, this has been great. I appreciate it. And go enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. All right. Thanks for having me. We'll talk soon. That is Farhan Lalji from TSN joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Still ahead in hour two of this edition of the Sports Cage, we'll talk with Skylar Ackerman, the skip of Team Saskatchewan at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM.